lips. You're still attached. Ha. Huh. It shall come to pass in that day, that day is this day, that the burden will be taken away from your shoulder. His yoke from your neck. This is talking about the enemy's yoke. This is talking about the people who oppressed Israel. The yoke will be taken from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. <laughs> so I'm going to take a minute right here, right now, to, de to destroy some yokes in this place. <laughs> Because of the anointing, the yoke will be destroyed. Who's anointing his anointing? I want you to think just for a minute. Remember the picture in the, in the, in the biblical days of a yoke of two ox together. That yoke, that bar, fastens you to one another. And a yoke can be a really good thing. And it can be a really bad thing. So God's not one to destroy yokes that are good. That's not what He's about. But He is about destroying yokes that are bad. Something you're tied to. Something that hinders your steps. Something that drags you along with it. Year after year after year after year. It's dragged you along with it. The Bible says that the anointing can break that thing off your life. We've seen it done so many times. So right now, you just be honest with God. What is that thing? Are you sick? Anointing flow. Increase in this place. Destroy yokes. Set your people free. Everything ungodly, everything unpure, everything unholy, we pray this be destroyed under the yoke of the anointing this morning. Where God's people have been kept in bondage and slavery, where they're having to live in a different land, God, we pray this morning. We pray this morning that your people will be set free. To live free. 
in the land that you have promised them. <laughs> and God, we cry, remove not your Holy Spirit from us. If there's ever a day we need you, it's today. If there's ever a day this nation needs you, it's today. Forsake not your people, God, I pray. And for the sake of the righteous, we call out to you. Send your anointing to this nation. Let your anointed people rise up, God, in this nation. Let the voice of the Lord be heard. Let it thunder across our lands. Break the yoke, we pray, God. Break every ungodly yoke across this nation, we pray today, God. We settle for nothing less than a, that is your yoke and your anointing. Forsake not our nation, God, I pray. O land, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of your God. Land, hear the word of your God. Hear the word. It's a word of life to you. Let your repentance come to our land, God. Show. We smash that yoke. Ha. Sha. Wow. I declare that this nation will prosper. That this nation will live under the anointing of Almighty God. That this nation will hear the words of the Lord and live. Ha. Wow. Wow. Who? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ha. Wow. Well, I wasn't expecting that, but that's good. It's good. Listen, are you all well? Say, yes, Alan, I'm good. Make a declaration over your life, even if you're not. Are you well? Yes, Alan, I'm good. Ha. Ah. Yes. Wow. Ha. Ah. Wow. Five by seven, it'll be five by seven when I finished. <laughs> five by seven when I started. Um, I want to speak a little bit today about the anointing making the difference. And um, Peter's still not well. We pray for him. We pray he'll get well. One of the things with the As One conference that we're doing next week, um, <laughs> with Dr. Bishop, 
Archbishop OBE David Carr. It's that he's carrying something. He, I've known David for 20 years, and he's been a spiritual dad to me for a long time, but he carries an anointing. You see, David left school, and he couldn't read or write. He's written eight books. See, David started a church with eight people, and it's about two and a half thousand on a Sunday night. Goes out of four different other locations as well. David's had an audience with the Queen. David has met the Prime Minister. David has laid hands on and prayed for the Pope. Well, he's just a guy who left school who couldn't read or write. But he learned to operate under the anointing. <laughs> you see, that there's stuff, I, I can tell you the stuff that's going on in my life is because I've learned to rest under somebody who's resting under the anointing. The stuff that's gone on in my life, there's doors open for me that is not because I went to Oxford University. It's not even because I'm part of any party political party. It's because I, I know when the anointing is around, God can do stuff that I can't work out with my tiny little brain. And he can get me into places where I'm not sure how I got there. See, I kind of plan that. I just follow the anointing. So I recently got an invite to um, be on the board of Churches Together England. Imagine me on the board of Churches Together England. And I went and I sat there. There's a lot of brainy people there. But there's quite a few people who learned to flow under the anointing. I want to tell you today, if you remember now, else remember this. There is no limit to what God can do through you under the anointing. If you want to be fast-tracked, learn how to live under the anointing of God. Oh, but Alan, I received the Holy Spirit. I've got all I need. You heard that? I'm not so sure that's in the Bible. <laughs> the Bible tells me you received a deposit, a guarantee of what is to come. You received a deposit, a guarantee of what is to come, but the anointing can increase. You can operate under a greater anointing. You see, Jesus did it. 
I don't know if you know, but 30 years, Jesus didn't do anything. Just sat back with his feet up. Had a good time. But when he received the anointing, he began to move in miracles, signs, and wonders. And if we think we've got enough, then come and tell me how many dead people you've raised. Come and tell me how many nations have been saved because you set foot in them and you changed an atmosphere and everybody got saved. Well, that's not possible, Alan, is it not? I can give you some examples from the Bible <laughs> where whole cities and towns got changed under the anointing of what God was doing in a place. I think there are three areas of anointing. And I'm not going to be able to touch on them all today, but I got really excited about this. There is an individual anointing. Every single one of us who know Jesus has an anointing on your life. And I'm going to smash anything that says that you don't. It's not for special people. It's for God's people. It's for you and it's for me. There's an individual anointing. I believe there's a ministerial anointing. What do I mean by that? Like the five-fold ministry. You can operate under one of those five-fold ministries and probably a bit more. You can have an anointing to be an administrator. You can have an anointing to welcome people into your house. So there's a ministerial anointing. And I think the last anointing is the one that's been really exciting me over this last year. And that is, I believe you can have a corporate anointing. An anointing that resides in a building and on a people or on a town or on a city or on a nation. A corporate anointing. And I believe we can have that. So, I'm going to talk a little bit about anointing. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Holy Spirit. Because they're interlinked. They're too interlinked. But I want to just show you a little example I've got here. This is how traditionally a lot of Christians find Jesus and you become a Duracell. <laughs> but I want to tell you that that's not a biblical view of your salvation. I want to tell you that this is a biblical view of your salvation. What's the difference? This one's rechargeable. Many Christians think, I've been saved, I've received the Holy Spirit. That's all I need. That is not a biblical view. I can prove it to you from Scripture if you want. I can show you in the Scriptures that God might enlighten your understanding. But the people who have this view are going to be in trouble. Because even if I don't use this and stick it on a shelf, it loses power. 
and eventually it will be flat and no good. That's why they put dates on them now. And no good. But here for me is a very biblical view of what it means to live under the anointing. You will naturally leak as a Christian. You have to. Because it's out of your belly will flow. It's out of your belly will flow. You, you move into situations and circumstances, into atmospheres, and it takes it out of you. Because light has stepped into darkness, you affect the darkness, but it takes it out of you. And what does this need? It needs plugged in. It needs plugged into a power source. Hello? It needs plugged into a power source regularly. Otherwise, we start living from a flat place. And that's where we get into bother. Because we're not living out of an anointing. We're not living out of what Holy Spirit's doing. We begin to live out of last week's testimony, out of last year's testimony, out of when I was saved 40 years ago. Have you heard those testimonies? Tell us your testimony. Well, 40 years ago I got saved. You know, tell us your testimony for today. Tell us what happened now. Tell me what happened this morning. That's your testimony. And there's a big danger that we begin to birth new Christians and we tell them that they've received the Holy Spirit and it's all you need. Well, I'm going to tell you it isn't all you need. It's a deposit. It's a guarantee of what is to come. You know, when Jesus stood up, he said this, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Upon me. I, I would love to get into this a bit more and talk about the difference between in you and upon you. Because there's a big difference between those two things. <laughs> when they were in the upper room, the Spirit came upon them. I would love to get into that. But Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach. He has what? He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the captives and the recovery of the sight to the blind. Ha! We often think that people who are anointed have great big ministries. They pray for the sick and they rise up. They prophesy, and, and it's amazing what they prophesy. They've got a huge business. Oh, they're anointed. I've had it. People have come to me and went, there's an anointing on your life. We need to smash that. There's an anointing on each and every one of our lives. And you can learn to operate under that anointing. And I tell you, it'll fast track you. I think God wants to do nothing outside of the anointing. We're really good at doing stuff outside of the anointing, but I don't think God wants to do anything outside of the anointing. 
I'm going to say to you, it's a bit like marriage. The anointing is a bit like marriage. It's to have and to hold. <laughs> to value, to really value. The anointing is the impartation of God's power and ability, God's power and ability into your life so that you can do His work. It takes God to do God's work. <laughs> oh. Here's one of the problems is that I want to operate, maybe sometimes I want to operate under Paul's anointing. That didn't work. It's not my anointing. Oh, I want to be a preacher. I want to be a pastor. If it's not your anointing, you don't want to be a preacher or a pastor. You want to operate under your anointing. And so many times people set foot into other people's anointing. And I can tell you, again, biblically, it's a dangerous place. You want to get finished off? Try operating under somebody else's anointing. That's not your anointing. Listen, we can learn from other people's anointing. We can even receive from other people's anointing. I'm talking about where, where you might think that suddenly, I want to be an evangelist. Is the anointing to be an evangelist on your life? Oh, we can all evangelize. Every one of us can evangelize. In 1 Samuel, it says, 16, it says, So he went to him and brought him in. So this is talking about David. He was glowing and healthy and of fine appearance. It all sounds nice, David, doesn't he? A handsome man. And the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. <laughs> you see, David's brothers had been before this guy, and none of them got anointed. So now that's not them. David was the one to be anointed. And he learned to operate and live, not perfectly, under the anointing that was his. But he was a shepherd in a field. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So the word Messiah and the word Christ have very similar meanings. And they both mean Christ, as we all know, is not Jesus' second name. It means anointed. Jesus, the anointed one. That's what it means. It's been really interesting to look at this. Now, I want to just, I just want, I want to, I'm trying to be sensitive around this, but I, I want to kind of put a shot across our bows by saying this. You know, Miriam, uh, Moses' sister, learned this message that when she complained against Moses, her brother, right, 
let's be honest, the Bible's honest. She got struck down with leprosy for complaining against her brother. What? God did that. Yeah, God did that. Complained against her brother and got struck down with leprosy. This isn't the only time this happened. Yeah, but that's Old Testament, Alan. Yeah, it's the same God. It's the same God. We're living in a New Testament. We're living in a new covenant. And thanks be to God for that. But this is the same God. You know what Psalm 105 says? And whenever I meet people who are anointed, and that's all of you, but when I recognize a certain anointing on someone, I'm always careful around them. Psalm 105 says, 15 says this, do not touch the Lord's anointed ones. Do not harm his prophets. You see, we, we, need to be, we need to be careful around each other. We need to be conscious around the anointing that's on an individual or on us. Be careful around the Lord's anointed. I once met a man from Nigeria and he looked like Jesus. He was black, he was old, he had white hair, he didn't look like Jesus like. But when I looked into his eyes, he carried such an anointing on his life that he looked like Jesus. I could sense the very presence of Jesus in him. And he was just sitting in a room. But as soon there was other people in the room, as soon as I walked through the door, I went, wow. There was something on this guy. I want to tell you this. There's no cheap way to increase the anointing. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm afraid the anointing is something you've got to work at. You can receive impartation, but that impartation is depend on who you receive it from and how you position yourself to that person. <laughs> See, if you're not honoring in, in a good relationship and in a servant relationship with the person, you'll never receive the anointing of the person. Well, I think I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible says. You know, in, in Acts 4, it says this, that on their release, so they've been released from prison, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When he heard this, they realized that their voice, they raised their voices together in prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said. So they've just come out of prison. You made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. Now, Lord, consider these threats and enable your servants to speak your word even more boldly than before. You see, you can have an increase in the anointing on your life. You don't have it all. I don't have it all. But I can come before God and I can go, God, see these threats? <laughs> Give me more boldness to speak your word. They understood that there was a greater depth than what they'd already experienced, even though they'd been in prison. 
that quite simply were asking for more power, more of the anointing. I believe that the anointing has substance to it. I believe you can sense it, you can feel it, you can touch it, you can taste it, you can hear it. I think the five senses of your body can interact with the anointing of God. We are designed for this. All the senses in your body are designed for spiritual purposes. <laughs> Not just for practical earthly ones. So the word anointed in Hebrew, and the Hebrew meaning of this, means to smear. And the Greek word means to rub in. So the anointing, you're smeared, and you rub in. Remember, as it says in Psalm 133, the anointing flowed down on his beard, down on his clothes, and it was rubbed in. <laughs> so, what about the story in the Old Testament where the prophet Elisha had died and he'd been buried and probably been buried, his body was rotten, and he'd probably been buried for 50 years, let's say. It doesn't actually say, but I'm going to make 50 years because that sounds good to me. So some Israelites came along, opened up the grave to, to bury another body. Some raiders came along, and as the raiders came along, they dropped the body, and it landed on Elisha's bones. The Bible said immediately the dead man came back to life and was totally resurrected. There was still anointing in the dead bones of the man of God 50 years on. For me, that's a little bit sad because he should have used it all or given it away. But there was still an anointing in his bones after 50 years. You ever did that really crazy thing as a Christian where you go and roll on somebody's grave? No, you probably haven't, have you? I have. So I've been to Smith Wigglesworth's grave. And I've rolled on his grave like an idiot. Hoping to pick up some of the anointing. We do some crazy things. But God's looking to see what your heart's like. I'll roll on that grave, God, if it means I'm going to get more anointing. See, I don't want the anointing for me. I want it for him. See, we become, we become too polite. If you're going to change a nation, the nation will only be changed with anointed people. Right. It's not going to be changed with clever and persuasive words. The Bible tells us about that. I didn't come to you with clever or persuasive words, but with a demonstration, with something you can see, touch, feel. Hmm. This also tells me, because you, you then remember, we talked about Elisha, uh, wanted twice the anointing that was on Elijah, and uh, the records show that uh, Elisha served for 10 years. Uh, the Bible also shows um, that Elijah did eight miracles, major miracles. Elisha did 16. Hello, is that double? But he served his spiritual father. He served him for 10 years, the Bible says it even washed his hands. 
That doesn't seem very spiritual, does it? Even washed his hands. He learned what it was to be a son to a father that was carrying an anointing. And he said, I want double. And if you remember again, the story's really clear. The story's really clear. Listen, if he can ask for double, that has to say that there are levels of anointing. Because he was bold enough to ask for double that which was on his spiritual father, he received it. There is levels of anointing that are greater than what you're carrying and what I'm carrying. Do I have the boldness to ask for it? Am I in position, in relational position, with someone who's carrying a greater anointing than I am? Because for me, there's a very biblical principle here. Je Jesus said he only does what he sees his father doing. There's a biblical principle here. His dead bones, those dead bones, stored in power, even after his death. <laughs> and as soon as somebody touched him, it's really interesting because the dead guy, his first job was to get up and run away from the radar so he didn't get dead again, which I thought was really, that was really weird. That was his job. The Bible says this, we can go from faith to faith, glory to glory, and grace to grace. They're the same words, Alan. Yeah, but we're, we're, we're progressing. It's a progressive thing. Do I have all the love in my heart I need for you guys? No. That's one of the things Alex prayed for me today. That I would have more compassion. He says, Alan, you're a compassionate person, but God wants to give you more compassion. Thank you, Jesus. I will have more compassion. Because the day you think you've got it all, you're in trouble. You begin to become like that Duracell battery that's not recharged. I need more. How about you? But I need more. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You have not because you ask not. You want a greater anointing? Get on your face before God and begin to ask for it. But I tell you now, it'll come with a cost. It's not free. It's not like your salvation. That's free. But the anointing comes with a cost. And God's looking for those who are prepared to pay the cost. And if you're prepared to pay it, you'll receive it. But it will come at a cost. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever, that's all of us, whoever believes in me will do the works I have done and even greater things than I have done. See, there's no lid on the anointing. You cannot reach the top of it. It's got no lid. You just go from glory to glory, from grace to grace, to faith to faith. You're constantly constantly discovering what it means to live under and through the anointing. There is no lid. And from that will flow rivers of living water. So every believer, every believer, I'm going to hurry. 
because I'm nearly done. Every believer. Tell me when it's 5-2, will you? Because I haven't got my phone. Oh, that's all right. I've got it here. That's a good. It's good. I've got another 10 minutes. Um, every believer, every believer has the anointing. Every believer is able to minister. I believe that this aspect is the most important aspect of all the anointings, the three I mentioned. Because without this one, the other two don't work. <laughs> what do I mean by that? I'll tell you. You see, unless every believer understands that this is not just for the super, but it's for you, it falls down. But you have an anointing. John 1, sorry, 1 John 2, 20 says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. I'm going to talk to you, I, I'm, I don't have time, but I was going to mention to you about the Holy Spirit. Do you understand this? Many people resist the move of the Spirit. It's like you resist God. You see, the Holy Spirit is not a lesser form of God. He is God. He is Jesus. And when you reject the move of the Spirit because you're not happy with what the Spirit's doing because it doesn't fit into your little box, you reject God Himself. Isn't that frightening? So when the Bible talks about you not grieving the Holy Spirit, you're saying, why would you reject God? But we take a, a lighter approach with the Holy Spirit. It's almost like, yeah, yeah, he was doing that, but I wasn't really into that. <laughs> every believer, every single believer, and these signs will accompany all who believe. They will cast out demons. When was the last demon you casted out? They will speak in tongues. Most of us are all right with that. They will pick up snakes. I've picked up a couple, but they weren't poisonous. They will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. All believers. All believers. There is a genuine humility that's needed before God if you want to increase in an anointing. It means you get on your face, you submit yourself before Him. God says that He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So I want to ask you, are you on your face before God? Are you genuinely seeking a greater anointing? Because you can have it. I'm telling you now, you can have it. You don't have to live at the level of God that you're experiencing right now. You don't have to do that. And I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> you can have it for free, but it's going to cost you. Think about that for a minute. You can have it for free. You can't buy it, but it's going to cost you. Isaiah 55 verse 1 says, Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters, you who have no money, come buy and eat. How do you do that? There is something huh, that can't be bought with money. 
but God requires something of you. Psalm 63 verse 1 says this, You God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole body longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. Wow. Wow. I'm going to finish because I want to just, we're going to maybe sing or listen to the music. I want to tell you that God can reside in a place. I want to tell you that God can reside, His anointing can reside in things. What? Again, I'm just going to use the Bible as a good example of this. So when, so when Paul prayed on a thing that happened to be a cloth, the anointing was transferred from Paul to the cloth when the cloth went to the sick person, the sick person didn't touch Paul, touched the cloth, and the cloth made them well. The anointing could be transferred to a thing. <laughs> the anointing can be transferred to a thing. It can also be in a place. Was it, was it uh, when it went down to preach the gospel, um, in the New Testament and there were many people who got released from demons but it said that the, the whole city was filled with joy. What about a city? What about a, a region that has the anointing of God on it? So that every single person in the region is filled with joy. That's the anointing. That's what the anointing can do. You see, the anointing is not just for you as an individual. It's not just for a, to make you feel or look good, but it is. It is so that that anointing can be in a place. You see, the gathering, even here today, you know, it only took 120 people to change this world. 120 people who were in one place with one thought, Let's sit here with our knees knocking, waiting to God. And in that place, in that place, in that place, the anointing fell. What about right here, right now, today? What about the anointing falling in this place right now? You know what it said? It said everybody from the surrounding town came because of the anointing. And it says there were other towns where, where this happened. Do you know the anointing can be... The anointing can shake a building. Ah... <laughs> uh. There's much, much more I could say, but I, I know it's been a bit bitty today and a bit all over, but the anointing needs oneness. 
I live my life seeking and pursuing oneness because I believe this, that when we get oneness, we'll get that level of anointing. It's not about an individual. It's corporate anointing that will change a region, that will change this place. It has to be corporate. It has to be corporate. It has to be in oneness with the church down the road. It has to be in oneness. It has to be in oneness with the people that you disagree with theologically. It has to be oneness when oneness comes, when they were together in one place, the Spirit fell, the anointing fell. You see, you can't light a fire and leave it unattended. Because what will happen? It'll go out. Fire needs sacrifice. It needs something to burn on it. <laughs> oh, I'm preaching good. I know there's some of this is fire. Fire needs sacrifice. You see, we want the anointing, but we don't want the sacrifice. Come on, church. Come on. Fire requires sacrifice. Let me tell you another thing about fire. If you remove a piece of the fire out of the fire, it will go out before the fire goes out. We need each other. We need to understand what oneness looks like. We need each other. If the anointing is going to fall on this region, it's not going to happen through us, church. Not this church. It's not going to happen through the Baptist church. It's not going to happen to the Methodist church. It's going to happen through the church. And I believe when the church comes together, when we have expressions of the church together, the anointing begins to fall. Buildings begin to shake. People's shadows begin to heal people. Nations and towns and cities come under. Do you know there was a story in, the, uh, there was a story in one of the revivalist things I read. I was in, I was in Alexander's Bodies Church last week, right? And they got, his, they got his pulpit out that he preached from. That, that when the Spirit of God fell in that place in Sunderland, his pulpit was still there. So I'm hugging his pulpit, kissing it, trying to get some residual anointing from it. See, the, the, the anointing, quite simply, is the manifold presence of God. When Alexander Body preached, he, he preached and God turned up. And I'm cuddling his pulpit because I'm hungry. I want that level of stuff. Standing in his church. I can tell you now, no disrespect, the manifold presence of God is not in that church like it was. It's not in this church like it was. <laughs> but I'm believing for a day when his presence, his, his rule, his reign comes to a place, to a region, to a town, to a city.
But if you think you can be a Christian on your own, I'm going to tell you, you'll go out very quick. But if you come and join the fire <laughs> and add your sacrifice to what God wants to do, huh, there's no limit to what He can achieve. You know, this, in many ways, is quite simply another sermon on another Sunday at a different time. Yet the message in this sermon is so profound. This nation's waiting of it. And it's waiting of you and it's waiting of me. Getting on our faces before God and crying out for more. Not settling, not having complacency, but going, God, I know there is more. I know there's more. Your word says there's more. I know there's more anointing to come on my life. Do you know where I've realized I get, I work hard, but I get tired quicker when I'm working outside of the anointing. Because <laughs> I'm drawn on me. I want to draw on him. Do you want to draw on him? I want to draw on him. I want to draw on his anointing. Next week when my spiritual dad comes, I'm believing he's going to deposit something in this region. <laughs> this is a man who decided to have a healing meeting. Not for one year or two years. But for 17 years, every Tuesday, there was a healing service on. And between four and 800 people came every week to get healed. Because he believed that there was more. And he still believes there's more. And I believe he'll drop something into this region. And I want to suggest that you experience what he's depositing. <laughs> Not because I know him, but because I know what he's carrying. Why don't we just listen for a minute and then just begin to cry out to God. God will respond to your hunger. God, we need you. 
Let's stand to our feet or on your knees, wherever you want. Let's make some movement. Let's not be passive. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you, God. It longs after you. My heart and my flesh cries out to the living God. Ha! Ha! I'm done. Do you know, sometimes it's really hard to receive when we've actually got to let go of some stuff. And if you're just feeling challenged by some of what um, Alan said around criticizing one another, around judging brothers and sisters, I just want to invite you to, to say, God, I'm really sorry. I haven't got time for that, to allow that to, to fester in my life, God, I haven't got time or space for that, Lord, because I want more of you. I want your love. I want the expression of my love to look like your love. So, God, would you forgive me? Would you forgive us in this church, Lord, for the times that we have chosen to, to see the dirt in someone's life? rather than actually see who you created, God, to see the anointing that you put on their life, whether they know it or not. God, please, would you forgive us? Ah. God, we declare that you are our judge. You are the one who knows all things. So where we have made judgments, ah, God, would you forgive us? And we choose, God, in this moment, together, corporately, to say that we want to know more of your love. We want to know more of your presence. We want to know what it looks like to love one another well, to submit our lives to one another, God, as well as to you, to link arms with one another and walk in oneness. God, would you show us what that looks like? God, because we want 
<laughs> we want more. We want more. Holy Spirit, I thank you that, that it says in your word that when we confess our sins, you are faithful. You are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we offer you, God, a fresh sacrifice of ourselves, knowing that we've been cleansed, knowing that we've been forgiven. God, we choose to place ourselves on the altar. Thank you that fire always falls on sacrifice. So fire of God, come. Fire of God, come. Fire of God, would you come every morning when we get up out of bed and we offer ourselves every day afresh to you. Lord, that this week as we cry out together for more individually, Lord, would your fire fall individually in our homes, afresh in our families, God. So that, Lord, we would carry a greater anointing corporately of your presence, of your of the power of God displayed in and through us. <laughs>